imagine what Mike Sullivan could do with the Hurricanes roster? Can you imagine that? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this two games in the Stanley Cup playoffs last night, including late last night for the second one. First one was Hurricanes 5, Devils 1. That was game one of that series. The second one was Golden Knights 6, Oilers 4. Leon Dreisaitl with all four of Edmonton's goals. Dreisaitl has seemingly scored every goal that Edmonton's gotten this postseason while Connor McDavid's doing nothing of the kind. One of these days, that might just be fodder for a full episode here. Because this notion that, oh, don't get me started on that one. Don't get me started on that one. But you know that question that people ask? Uh, Who's one player you'd want to have in Game 7 or whatever else here? Don't tell me. It's McDavid over Dreisaitl. Don't tell me that'd be your choice. But I digress because the first of those games was the one that inspired this subject for this day. And that's that I watch the Hurricanes. I see that roster. I see that depth. I see that approach. I see that style that they've got, meaning the players. This is taking nothing away from Rod Brindamore. And however my opening sounded, imagine what they could do if they had Sullivan, that's not a shot at Brindamore. I'm saying that I look at the Hurricanes and I see the type of roster that Sullivan would be much better off coaching because that's his style. The aggressive forecheck, go get the puck, make smart decisions with the puck, put the puck to the net. When in doubt, put the puck to the net again. And guess what plan C is? Yeah, put the puck to the net. Have a mobile defense. Make sure that everybody's activated at all times. That's all Carolina hockey. That's how it's been now under general manager Don Waddell and Brindamore for quite some time. And it is to their credit. The Hurricanes feel like, when you watch them, whether it's in person, TV, whatever, they feel like you're seeing a glimpse of the future of hockey. They feel like they're ahead of everybody else. They get that they're not going to be taking a lot of penalties. They hardly ever take any. They get that everybody's got to be involved in the attack and that their offense has to come from all over. And eventually they trouble themselves with going and getting a goaltender or two, okay? Which, by the way, has been their main drawback in the playoffs over the past couple of years. But that roster, that's what I look at and I go, yeah, now that makes sense. That's a team that would, under Sully, quote, play the game the right way. And you want to talk about team uh, toughness and grit and chemistry and everything else here. That Carolina roster is currently missing four forwards, four of them who would probably all be in their top six, two of them for sure. Telvo Teravainen, 
would be one of those. Andrei Svechnikov would be another one of those. Those are both stars in this league. Those are both first liners. Max Pacioretty is another who would easily be your first or second liner. Uh, Andre Kasha has been out uh, all season with a concussion. That's four guys. That's four guys. And what's been left in their wake has basically been Sebastian Ajo and a whole bunch of forward depth and a whole bunch of defensive depth and some goaltending depth. Ajo's the only star-level player that they have left up front. The only one. I like Seth Jarvis. Don't get me wrong. 21 years old, scores a bunch. Nice player. He's not Ajo, okay? And yet they went and absolutely dismantled the Devils last night. Now, does that mean it can hold up? I don't know, man. That's a lot of injuries to overcome. And you're going to be asking one of Frederick Anderson or Auntie Ranta to be the guy that makes a big difference for you once New Jersey gets their legs back and it didn't look like they had them following their seven-game series against the Rangers. It's going to be tough. None of that matters to my point. My point is that the Hurricanes have a model in place that works for what the Penguins want with this head coach. If you're of the mind, and I certainly am, that this head coach is staying right here, then you do want to work with him. Yeah, he's got to be flexible too. He's got to be told uh, everything that you're yelling at me right now on the other end of this podcast. I can hear you, okay? He's got to be put in line in certain areas, Sullivan does. But he's not going to change who he is. He's not going to change what he is when it comes to his foundational system. He's never done that. If the Penguins could create a framework akin to the one in Carolina, they could be a healthy franchise again like that. I really believe that. Uh, Cap constraints and everything else, they're going to be a challenge for anybody who comes in. But if that was the way they thought about filling out their lines, about making their defense more mobile, as I was talking about earlier this week on the show, Anything is possible. Anything is possible. The Hurricanes find a way to get the best out of the older guys that they do bring in. Jordan Stahl is still an effective player. Paul Stastny's got three goals in the playoffs already. They find a way to mix the two. Brent Burns is another one who's come in from San Jose and made a big contribution. You can do that if you augment intelligently. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't conclude this segment by pointing out that Eric Tulski, their assistant GM over the past three years, is or should be a candidate for the Penguins GM vacancy. Now, we've talked about him on this show. He is not your basic hockey guy. He's not really a hockey guy at all. He's a Harvard guy. He's a math guy. He is an advanced analytics guy. Now, that immediately is going to make him just a complete rock star in the eyes of the Twitter world because they just hear advanced analytics and go, you know, like it's Backstreet Boys 20 years ago. There's more to it. There's more to it. I would love to know what kind of a manager Tulski might be. I would love to know what percentage of the decisions ended up uh, coming from 
Waddell as opposed to Tulski. I'd love to know much, much, much more about that dynamic before presuming that someone can just come in and take over hockey operations without having a hockey background. But, but, I'd be open-minded to it for sure, if only because Tulski already knows whatever it was that went down in Raleigh. When we come back, J1Q. who says how to describe Ron Hextall's tenure as the Penguins GM. There's about a 600K difference in the combined cap hits of Mike Matheson, John Marino, Jared McCann, and Brandon Tanev versus Jeff Petrie, Jan Ruda, Jeff Carter, and Mikhail Granlund. My question, has there ever been a more organizationally crippling job done by a GM in such a short period of time. <laughs> Obviously loaded. <laughs> you don't need me to answer it for you based on the view that you just expressed, never mind the information that you provided. It was a bad tenure. It's going to probably end up being a worse tenure over time if that's possible. Meaning, when the Penguins get to Cranberry at some point late this coming summer and you still see Carter there and you still see Granlund there and you see that whoever the new GM is, they were unable to move one or both of those contracts. I'm not throwing Petrie into this. I'm certainly not throwing Ruda into it. These are guys who can still contribute. The other two look like they're just washed up. It's not fair to lump them all into the same category. But when I see those two out there on that sheet of ice, you're going to be looking at the implications uh, of what Hextall has done to this roster and to this organization for a long time, man. You know, you're going to get to the draft this summer and see that the Penguins don't have a second round pick so that they could grossly overpay for someone who shouldn't even be in the league anymore. You're going to just build up even more of that over the course of time. And as a result, my answer to your question as to whether or not he's the worst this or that is Yes, he's already that, but you can't even appreciate, none of us can, the extreme to which that'll be true. Hey, look, he'll always have Ricard Raquel. I don't know who it was that told him to go get Raquel. Maybe that was a, a Brian Burke thing since Burke was really intensely familiar with Anaheim for obvious reasons and would have known who on the Ducks would make a worthwhile thing. And he'll always have one really, really great playoff out of Carter. But otherwise, my goodness, the pluses and the minuses of his acquisitions and his general moves and general incapability of even managing a roster on a routine basis. Yeah, no, man, this is this is number one by a mile, waiting to rock it up even further. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.